0: So apparently, if I'm really hearing you right, you're actually detailing out the fact that I was your fucking rebound?
1: <laughs> I've been sinking like a rock in this high society. It's all that means so much to them don't mean shit to me. If I were the money, fame, and power, I'd be so but I know I tried and I just can't find that solid country go.
2: Now I was
1: born in Nashville, but I left there long ago. Because they built Music City by sacrificing soul. LA ain't much different except they got them fancy clothes. And there's an area side or a leaving light of solid country. Welcome dough. to
0: Atlas Bot, A weekly chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 12 entitled, Most Likely to Get Shot. Welcome to Matlas uh, Jack, it's great to see you. How are you doing? What's happening,
3: fellas? Doing good, doing good.
0: Joe, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? Doing well.
4: Happy to see you, too.
0: Excellent. We're going to uh, do the podcast without Greg, who sadly can't be with us tonight, but we're going to go ahead and have fun. We're doing it for the fans tonight, fellas. We're doing it for the fans. So let's take a look at the games. The first game I want to look at is the St. Little Cash Stink Fist versus Jack's Wax Packs. And Jack's Wax Packs... Wins convincingly 54 to 48. You know, you got to thank the Washington Nationals, uh, I think. Daniel Murphy at DH got you a 6.6. He went 14 for 28, batting 500 with three doubles, a home run, seven ribbies, five runs, and a walk. Quite an impressive week for Mr. Murphy. We had Trey Turner, the young shortstop, uh putting you 6.2 points up on the board. Evan Gaddis, your catcher, at 3.2 points. And your Dodgers, again, 11.95. I mean, maybe not getting some of the scores some of the other staffs are, but consistently scoring high. Then we had um, on St. Locash's side, Ryan Zimmerman, another national, put up an 8.6. He batted 440, going 11 for 25 with two doubles, three home runs, nine ribbies, eight runs, and four walks. An impressive week for the ageless wonder Ryan. And then Jose Ramirez, tech and baseman for Cleveland, went 5.4 points for St. Locash Stinkfist. And respectable 2.4 from his catcher Grandal, and the Red Sox uh, with David Price coming back had 11.35 points. But again, this puts Jacks Wax Packs in a commanding position in the Griffey Division, the all-important first place in Griffey Division. So, heck of a heck of a win for you, Jack. Thanks, I appreciate
3: it. It was a uh, a solid effort by everyone uh we had good scores across the board it's uh th- it's starting to come together to be honest with you there were some i made some mistakes this week i uh benched cabrera uh, again i put murphy at dh but um wait 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 you're going to say a
0: 54 point win and
3: you're going to talk about your mistakes i'm just saying uh, ozuna had a six that's a point and a half better than dickerson he was on my bench so <laughs> there are a couple of things. <laughs> i'm uh, um obviously i'm happy with the way it's coming together i don't know if that's um, a gracious move or a dickish move to say i could have <laughs> scored more oh <laughs> always trying to uh always trying to do the best uh molina could have got me another point too as well but chris's team impressive again zimmerman who would have thunk it would have lasted this long to be honest with you and 8.6 is uh is a serious score he had me scared a few times throughout the week but uh like i said Solid scores from everybody I had fours, fives, and sixes pretty much across the board. So um, usually that equates to uh, to a win, although there's a lot of high scores this week. Joe, anything to add? Any
0: observations, or are you good with that?
4: Um, I just defend Jack. It's not a dickish move to notice where you, because I did the same thing this week in my game. I had a couple <laughs> of players that I put on the bench that uh, would have helped my score, and someday it'll make a difference.
0: So you're both dicks. All right, I get it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's go talk about Reardon Metal. Just smacking down 47 Ronan. Last week, I talked about how the game was never in question in 47 Ronan's favor, in my favor. This one was the exact opposite. Reared metal, uh, kicked it off strong, and never let it let up. Uh, uh, Carlos Correa, uh, shortstop for Houston, batted 392. He went 11 for 28 with four home runs, a double, 12 ribbies, four runs, and four walks. So, heck of a week for Carlos Correa. Uh, your Nationals got you a 9.95. It's important to note here that uh, Pujols, who got you a 5.6 and three home runs this week, actually hit his 600th home run. And you drafted him in our league. Now, you didn't draft him as a rookie. He had already been in the league for a while. But a lot of those home runs got on your team. So that's uh, certainly yeah, I, imp-
4: I was thinking about that the other day, trying just trying to figure out how many. Because he was already ancient when I got him, wasn't he? <laughs>
0: Well, the question is, is his birth certificate really, does that really <laughs> right, have his age, exactly. right? That was the there question. However, I mean, he's he's lasted a long time. We do know that he has this secret uh, metal puholium <laughs> that he actually pulls out anytime he plays 47 Ronin. And I actually started to get close yesterday, but was knocked back down when Pujols hit another home run. So very used to that. For 47 Ronin, uh, we had Stanton who put up a, a 6.6 and uh, Mookie Betts, a, a 5.8. They led the way in a losing effort. Obviously, the impact of the Harper suspension would not have made a difference, although having the suspension announced on Monday, or the fight happened on Monday, the suspension down on Tuesday, and having to serve that really only gave him a couple of games this week. He did much of nothing, actually had no hits this week, 4.47 Ronan. So, Uh, Joe this is a great win for you obviously uh, a very important win in the division you're in so uh, what do you think
4: losing trout is just brutal Uh, yes I I get some good scoring from NCR today and Korea for the whole week but I don't expect that to be a a common thing I'm I'm gonna miss those points so it's it's really important to beat a quality team when you can. I've got Mikey this week. I'm hoping it's not going to be one of his 60-point weeks. Um, hopefully I can hang in there with him. I, I'm curious about the the Harper suspension because I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Did he just not appeal it or or did he appeal it? and Because it seemed like it happened really quick. Well,
0: as someone who was paying very close attention to that suspension, uh, <laughs> he, he was an originally given four games. Strickland was given six. He appealed it And it was reduced to three games. Okay, let's move over to uh, Bad Street versus the Funkin' Punks. This is a big win for Pop's team. He had 57.65 against the Punks, 45. So this was an absolute thrashing. Um, Where the fuck did that go You know what? I think it's been building. If you think about it and you look over the last few weeks, he's had a few tough losses. Uh, Justin Bauer from Miami had a 7.2. He went 10 for 24. Batted 416 for the week with three home runs, two doubles, seven ribbies, four runs, a stolen base, and two walks. He also had uh, Ryan Healy, uh, his third baseman, pop in 6.6. And Justin Upton uh, at 6.2. So some results of a trade that they got from uh, the super team Jack's Wax Pack. Um, His catcher only put in 1.4. Derek Norris only put in 1.4 for him. The Astros pitching staff, though, 12.45 points. And that's been a consistent all along. He may have a winning formula here. Sano really hasn't been a star player for him, and I think there's still more points there for Sano. The Funkin' Punks got a service of a week from Joey Votto, 5.6. That's his first baseman. Uh, Went 6 for 22, batted 272. Two doubles, two home runs, five rubies, two runs, a stolen base, five walks. And then Steven Sousa, one of his outfielders, put in 5.4. Salvador Perez, we talked about Salvador Perez last week, such a great guy, but not in a fantasy uh perspective. he had one point eight points for the catcher and the Blue Jays pitching staff has awoken ten point six points. That's the best week so far for the blue Jays. Could this mean something for the funk and punks uh,
3: they're in trouble they his they're not doing well um the guys that were doing something for him are now starting to uh Again, Mark Reynolds kind of coming back to to earth. I know he's had a couple of good weeks here and there, but his bench was phenomenal this week, actually. <laughs> if you look at that, he's, an eight. he's a, an eight from uh, Valencia, a seven from Morales. Kepler got him a five point six who uh, again, another guy I gave up on recently. lJ's team is um, is not one that I'm fearing moving forward. The, the big question is, yeah, Bad street I, I, I think it's more of a, a fluke than anything. Um, Bore again not not somebody i'm chasing right now upton's gonna have those games uh at least two of us know that um, but he's also gonna have the other games and that's very frustrating healy's an interesting one again he both of them uh, came to him in the same trade so uh, i had a lot of uh hope for that guy in the beginning of the year and uh, and they just gave up on him pretty quickly so i'm, I'm interested to see how he finishes up yeah, you know, Mike's dad could spoil. That's for damn sure. I'm not. I don't think either of these two teams again are postseason ready at this point, but they uh, they could end up being a spoiler.
4: I'm curious what you guys think about. Because you, you've you dealt with Pops for years. Does does having almost 60 points and a win change the way he looks at his team? Does, does he all of a
3: sudden start trying to trade to make his team better? Do you oh, feel I see like he's been saying. doing that to begin with? He continues to have the same mindset and, and always will have the same mindset, in my opinion, and that's he wants to see his players hit home runs. And sometimes <laughs> that sometimes that equates to wins and uh, and sometimes it equates to strikeouts so well i agree and, and to
4: to lj's team you know 45 some weeks that's a win some weeks it isn't it's it's sort of right in the middle yeah they're they're um you know, there if, were a if lot he, st- if pops doesn't have that game, LJ wins that game forty-five to forty-one. We're we're saying, oh, that's a good
3: win for LJ, and you know. There are um, you got to keep your eye on the um, you know, the games for the week. So there's so a lot of teams played seven games this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that did is inflated all the scores as you can sure. see, uh, except Mikey's for some reason. Um, and Tim's. But, uh, that's what you know. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> I was trying not to say that. That's. That's why you got so many fifties in there and such. Again, obviously guys having good weeks, but uh more opportunities to score those points too. So
0: Well his team so Pop's team as a total for the week went sixty-six for two eighteen. So they batted uh three oh eight clip, I think that is, or a three oh two clip, uh, with sixteen home runs. So, you know, the sixteen home runs definitely stands out. Uh and if I'm not mistaken, the sixteen home runs is the top for the week. Yeah. You know, that that is impressive when you think about it. You know, typically we see twelve to fourteen home runs uh, you know, for the week for a team. Sixteen home
3: runs is 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 pretty amazing. That's what he does. He he, he has the uh the power guy. He won't his team won't hit three hundred again for the rest of the season. Yeah. So we have a game that is
0: still since we're recording this on Sunday night as opposed to our typical Monday night. Lethal injection, the omission commission still have players and a pitching staff involved in a game. Now, uh, lethal injection, Mikey's team is ahead forty point eight five to thirty-eight point five, and he has three players still to play in the top of the sixth. And omission commission has the Cardinals pitching staff. Chances are the pitching staff will not put up enough points. So I'm gonna call this in in uh in favor of Mikey with lethal injection. But we'll see if something crazy happens. So uh, this week, Matt Kent, the Ageless Wonder, uh, got a 4.6 for Mikey. Uh, his catcher, uh, McCann, a 1.2. Interesting to note, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, uh, a 3 and 2.6 respectively. Uh, below th- uh, both were below average at their uh, respective positions. However, the Indian staff put up a 12.45 this is what we kind of expected from the staff originally. so if Mikey's players come back in line and I think they will given their pedigree with the Indians really coming on this could be this could be a team Joe I, I agree that uh, is a team to be nervous of and you're probably right to be nervous of it uh, on the Mission commission, uh you know I mean judge is just destroying teams. Uh, he scored uh, eight points he went nine for 26. For a three forty six batting average, three doubles, two home runs, seven ribbies, seven runs. He took a stolen base, guys. I didn't know this guy runs, but he t- <laughs> is stolen base. I guess it's like three strides to get there. Right. Uh and then a uh six walks. Six walks. And I thought this guy was gonna have trouble, you know, striking out. Real Muto is catcher, put in a three point two. Uh and the Cardinals staff right now sitting at six point five. I think they're gonna end up somewhere around seven, seven and a half.
3: When you have uh an eight in your outfield and you still have the lowest score for the week, then you're that's um, not good. <clears throat> Judge is nasty. Um, whether he can, uh, you know, every week we talk about whether he's going to continue to do it or not. It seems. And, uh, and he continues uh, at this point, you're starting Tommy Joseph at first base. I mean, it's not looking good for those guys. You know, on Mikey side, again, not, you know, with the third worst score, of the week just played the right guy at the right time we talked about that a couple weeks ago head to head um he is going to get a little what you know should equate to a little boost um in that uh anthony rizzo now qualifies at middle infield so um he's going to be able to shift him over essentially what will happen is um basically an uh uh uh, an outfielder uh, will be taking the place of one of his middle infielders because he'll shift Rizzo over. He'll move Chris Davis uh, from DH to first base and then um, insert one of his bench guys into that spot. So that's the guy that'll take the place, um, ultimately, of the <clears throat> the middle infielder. But, um, you know, Rizzo playing <laughs> play the middle infield can't be a horrible thing moving forward. And, yeah, the Indians are something we expected a lot out of. It took him a little while to get rolling, but uh, yeah, uh, 1240, uh, 12.45 is a, a very solid score, and I expect them to keep it up. I think he's got a lot of promise moving forward.
0: On to the final game of the week. We had the Dreamers beat Mr. Blonde's Heroes in a super tight game. The Dreamers put up 52.65. Mr. Blonde's Heroes put up 51.8. So, uh, and this is a big win when we get into the McGuire Division standings. But first, the the game notes. Josh Donaldson returns. And, uh, Jack, you were talking about Josh Donaldson and the importance of his return. He put up a 6.6. He batted 291. He went 7 for 24 with 4 home runs, 6 ribbies, 2 double, or a double, excuse me, 5 runs, and 3 walks. Uh, So, that was big. And Gary Sanchez, uh, 3.8 for catcher. Uh, J.D. Martinez is now back and healthy. Uh, for the Tigers and also for the Dreamers, put up a seven point two, and the Diamondbacks put up a nine point six five. Now this was a pitching staff that they picked up two weeks ago that was just hanging out there for free, no trade. They just picked them right up. That is a, a pitching staff is a, a one hundred eighty degrees difference from the prior year Diamondbacks, and I think he just had a uh, they just had a fresh mind when they picked them up. It was a great pickup uh, for Mister Blonde Heroes. I was dogging on Springer just last week. Maybe Springer listens to the podcast because uh, he put up a ten point six. He went 15 for 30, batting 500 with five home runs, a double, nine ribbies, 11 runs, and two walks. Okay, I get it, Mr. Springer. Matt Weeters put up a 3.4 at catcher. Jose Otuve, uh, he loves Tuve. 7.2 that he got in the trade, 7.2 points in his middle infield. That's huge. And the Yankees that he got in the trade as well, 8.8 points, you know, not enough. So I think he was pretty proud of that before but the 8.8 points could have i mean any other pitching staff this week could have put him over and put him in the win column. Yeah, this
3: was a um a tight one. Um you know, when you're both in the 50s and somebody's going to walk away a loser, it always feels like shit, you know. You get beat with uh with the 38 or 36, you're like, "All right, so my guys didn't perform," but uh when you you're, when you're scoring in the 50s and you're taking home the L, uh, that never feels good, especially poor guy like it's uh this is the epitome of his opportunity to uh to talk shit to me uh, with Altuve getting into 7.2. Weeders with his 3.4 outperforming Posey, I believe, or damn close to it. So you, you get it again. You get a 10.6 out of one of your outfielders. You're supposed to fucking win. So Dreamers put up big numbers across the board. I mean, J.D. Martinez with that 7.2 is solid. Donaldson, we talked about him. Stories back. You know, they're definitely going to be a, <clears throat> a better team moving forward. Um, than they have been thus far. So whether that uh, is enough for them to, to overtake the division or not, it remains to be seen, but I definitely expect them to to uh, improve uh, moving forward. Yeah, it's,
4: it's amazing that he didn't win that game with with just those two players, Altuve and and uh, Springer scoring what they did. It's, it's like having an extra guy in there. And and really, he only had. By the way, Posey did have a 3.8, so he was still
3: better than weeders Oh, okay, well, so, <laughs> still he finally, he deserves his due this week. It's absolutely uh, anytime, anytime you get better than a three at catcher, you uh, you gotta celebrate. I mean,
4: Abreu and Suarez are the only two that you can point to that were just just horrible. Yeah,
3: Bray. Yeah, he had a huge week last week, so it's, uh, I guess it was time for him to cool down.
0: This, the, you know, just looking at the outcomes and then thinking about all the commentary I had over the last two and a half months. I'm like the perfect example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, clearly, I have no idea what's going on in fantasy sports. I really don't. Um, So, you know, (laughs) we take a look at the standings. Jack's wax packs will move to 6-3. and Now, you figure it's taken 11 wins to get into the tournament uh, every other year. So that means over the next 10 games, Jack only has to play 500 ball, which he's Playing much better than five hundred ball right now. Uh, take it into the tournament, um, and then the other three competitors in the Griffey division all lose, so and all have losing records. So Ronan would go to uh, four and five. Mister Blanteros moved to four and five. The Punks go to three and six. And at this point, that's a tough hill to climb for the Funkin' Punks. And and it'll be interesting to hear LJ's strategy when we talk to him uh, in the Bonds division. Lethal injection, St. Locash, and Bad Street. So lethal injection moves to six and three. St. Locash, Stinkfest, who was talking shit apparently prior to last week, goes to a losing record, four and five. And then Bad Street at three and six. Still, you know, I still think that that looks like a really, again, a, a big hill to climb. This is where that, you know, when you win with a low score, it's a gift that keeps on giving because you didn't sacrifice a lot of points for that win. And you know you're going to get him back if you have a team that's fairly consistent. So um, starting to see at least the Griffey and the Bonds division shape up. The Maguire division, or what I like to call the Bloodsport division, Ridden moves to 6-3, and three, and Omission Commission falls, which isn't surprising, 4-5. and five. But the Dreamers going to 5-4, and four, with Donaldson coming back and performing just at what we thought he would, and Story not even hitting stride. Uh, I, again, I think this will be one that we'll be watching down to the wire even with a six and three uh, win loss record, Joe, uh, you know I just uh, can't say that you're going to run away with it at this point. And I know, I know you're not going to either. It's interesting to see that uh, the Dreamers have actually endured about 15 extra points against. So if you believe in everything leveling out, that actually does not bode well for you. Although you do have the power there with uh, more points scored for. So it'll be interesting, and uh, the next few weeks I think are going to be even more fun to watch. Unless you're the owner of 47 Ronin. Next up, we're going to have LJ, who is the owner of the Funkin' Punks. I'm going to be very interested to hear how LJ is taking a look at his team, some of his strategy, and quite frankly, he's one of the most wonderful people I've known for uh, many, many years. And yeah, I I mean, I I actually think, Jack, you guys ran when you were little, little kids together, right? Third grade.
3: Yeah, I've known him since third
0: grade. (laughs) All right. So, uh thank you, boys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk to the owner of the Pumpkin Pucks.
1: If you love somebody enough, you'll follow wherever they go. That's how.
0: Okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We now have, as part of the podcast, LJ. And LJ is the owner of Funkin' Punks. And as we just talked about, he took a tough loss this week. So it'll be interesting to hear his perspective on that and several other things. And I'm excited to have LJ on. I've known LJ for uh, two and a half decades. He looks exactly the same (laughs) as when we met. um, So I don't know if he's a vampire, but uh, we'll have to figure that out. And, uh, earlier I discovered that Jack and LJ have known each other since the third grade. Uh, so that's, uh, and that's going way, way back. So LJ had a
3: little less uh, facial hair than otherwise.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. Right. Um, so LJ, welcome. I'm really happy that you're part of the podcast. Well, thank you. Do you have a favorite baseball team? I know you grew up in South Florida and at the time that, that we grew up, there really weren't any teams in South Florida. Did you ever attach yourself right. to a team, or are you a fan of just the general sport?
5: You know, I do have a few teams that root for more than others, but I, I'm not. I don't really necessarily follow one team religiously. Um, Jack and I used to, you know, we we've, we've gone to some Marlins games, so I still have a little bit of an affinity for the Marlins, um, being from South Florida. Right. And then we grew up in Jupiter, where they had um, the Braves spring training. So, you know, kind of like secretly, I kind of like the Braves a little bit. And, um, you know, also living a little bit uh, for a little bit of time in Port St. Lucie kind of, I kind of like secretly like the Mets too. So I'm sort of like all over the place with that. And then, you know, I feel like I have to like the Rays cause I'm up here, but um, I have to say like, I really think I like the Marlins the best out of all of them still. Cause that's the team I, I actually did follow for some years. And um, you know, so I mean, if, if they went to the world series, I definitely would be happy.
0: Isn't that awesome? Like when you think about it, right. The connection that we have to our teams, but are you now, they've been talking about a change in ownership and uh Loria selling out to, to some other buyers, uh, Derek Jeter, possibly being one of them. I think Jeb Bush is another one. Um have you heard about this is that something as a Marlins fan that gives you you know you, you think boy this is a good thing or
5: Again I you know I don't really religiously follow them right. so no that's that's really kind of news to me I didn't I had no idea um you know Derek Jeter as as an owner or part owner I think that'd be pretty cool Yeah he he you definitely
0: know? brings uh a lot of
5: I, I was never a Yankees fan don't get me wrong <laughs> but I kind of uh I I really <laughs> You know, I have a lot of respect for a guy who plays his entire career for one team. And also, I mean, you know, he's Derek Jeter. I mean, he was he's a he's basically a legend.
0: I Greg would totally agree you know. with you. Um, so yeah. um he's not on, unfortunately, so I I would have really liked to hear his response on that. But um so now let's talk about your Jules' team strategy. It was interesting. We did the preseason uh and we took a took uh, took a look at your team um yeah you know everyone was kind of like uh eh, you know maybe maybe not and then we kind of look back and you always have a lot of success in this league what's your strategy in kind of approaching this and, and how do you approach it
5: well let me let me let me also say one thing i was also one unfortunate call from taking the world series from you one year too because um i happened to pick up a different staff and planned on starting them but it was, I think, Labor Day weekend or something like that. I forgot the game started early that day, and I never got it in. So anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I
0: I really wasn't gonna bring that up, LJ. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up.
5: Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter though, does it? Because you you got the title. But um, yeah, no, I didn't think I would do that good. Really, I don't. I don't really know what my strategy is, other than um a little bit of luck. Because I mean, if you look at my team and you look at my players, they're really not. They shouldn't do as good as as they are. Um. I definitely don't get a lot of trade offers in this league like I do in the other ones, but I just try to play the hot streaks. I always look at what their um what their matchup is. Mm-hmm. And I just try to play the guy. I always make sure that they're playing enough games. I'm not gonna start somebody that's only playing five games. I mean, unless he's, you know, a stud player. But, right. Um I you know, I just try to play the matchup each week. And um this year it hasn't really worked out for me. But in years past, uh, you know, I I really felt like that year that I went uh, to the World Series with you, I, I don't really think I had any business being there. It just had. It just happened to be that it was the luck, you know, the luck of the draw. Dude, I, I you know. So basically, it's been lucky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you've always said that, and I don't fucking believe you. Like, even when we would do the drafts in person, you would always show up, you'd have a magazine, you'd throw it on the table, you'd flip through it, and yet you'd make these brilliant picks. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you do... Uh, a lot more homework or that you somehow have a good feel for fantasy sports because you're able to put it together.
5: Yeah. When baseball is a funny sport, you just, you don't know. I mean, seriously, a lot of it is just luck. You can can pick a player that you think is going to do amazing and by all statistics, he should be awesome. And he just might have a bad year. You don't know, you know, um, I've had players like that. I've had other players that, um, you know, no one's ever heard of. And uh, I just happened to start on one week and they, they just have a crazy season and they, you know, I mean, I think I picked Carlos Gonzalez off the waiver wire way back when, and nobody even knew who he was. And, <laughs> you know, he's like this amazing outfielder. Um, It just happens that way. I mean, I picked up, I think I picked Mike Stanton up when he was still called Mike Stanton. I think he was 18 years old and he sat on my team for five years and I had no idea that he was gonna be any good, except that I kept getting trade offers for him and I'm like, I might want to hold on to this guy because everybody seems to want him. And then, you know, changes his name to Giancarlo and the rest is history.
0: Yeah, well I'm I'm happy to have him on my team, but he's got what we call high HQ. So uh I'm keeping him. I'm not trading <laughs> yeah. him.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either, you know, at this point. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, I've got to say there's some years that I came to the draft completely unprepared for, you know, whatever reason, busy and just made some lucky calls. And there's other there's other years that um, I just sit there for hours and hours and study statistics and, you know, just go back to, you know, what what their history is in the minor league. And, you know, um, and then a lot of it is just a lot of it is just, you know, which guy do you want to believe? Which expert do you want to believe? Right. You know, really? which scout do you really want to believe? Who do you trust? Who do you not trust? What sites do you go to? Because that's another thing. There's like certain sites that I go to that I seem to have more luck at. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like they just they get it right more often than not. But you know, again, it's a game of luck. It's a little bit a of game of research, but a lot of it is just it's luck. You're like the champion of the league. Like I don't know. What do you you're the uh you have a dynasty in this league so yeah
0: how you do n- it? not not anymore <laughs> no I, I you know what it's really interesting it's trusting your sources right i I, I completely right. agree with you there I have the sources that I like and I trust in them um I rely probably a little more on the statistics than kind of how you're talking about it um I do believe in the law of the regression to the mean and uh, it's all about how you apply that in the time Frame that you look at, and and it it's you know I used to LJ I used to it used to be all about the prospects where I could just have the prospects and know which ones were good and trade the ones I didn't want or and the ones that were good I would keep. But that's you know I don't know if you noticed, but this league is it's not there anymore. You go to try to pick up a player, and you're like oh LJ's got that player or Joe's got that player, Jack's got that player, you know Mikey's got that player. So I'm having a a, a bit of a crisis right now because. I have to actually revamp my strategy, and clearly the results are showing that I'm not doing a good job of that.
5: It's definitely tough to get the prospects in this league. We have a lot more teams, mm-hmm. and everybody um, is doing the same thing. Everybody's doing the research, you know. Yeah. So you got guys picking people up, 17, 18 years old. I mean, there's like people in little league that are on people's teams. Nobody's <laughs> even heard of them. <laughs> I keep them for eight years and then yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, I have the same, I have the same thing every year I go to the draft and I'm like, I mean, I think I got a little lucky this year, but, um, I start looking at who's available and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's taken, this guy's taken, you know, I guess it just depends. Cause we, you know, we are in another league, um, you know, outside of this league. I won't talk a whole lot about that, but it's a whole different ball game. Again, there's less, there's less teams. So there's a lot, there's a lot of roster spots on a team. So there's a lot of, there's a lot more players in the pool, mm-hmm. but it's a lot easier to get, it's a lot easier to get some of those young guys in that league than it is in this league. You just got to You got to look at the really, really young guys now. And you got to like, look at the top, one hundred, not just the top thirty or forty or fifty, because you're not going to get any of them. They're, they've been on people's teams for the last, you know, two or three years already. And then again, you just got to hope. You know, prospects are a, you never know. You get prospects that you know, guys like Bryce Harper that just turn out to be great. And then you got other guys I've had on my team for years, and I'm just waiting for them to be good, and they they never turn out to be anything.
0: Yeah, and you have you have ten minor league spots, right? And so. If, you're, if you've got two spots and you've got 20% of your minor leagues and you're just waiting, 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 when do you pull the trigger? And that becomes a stress all on its own, right? Because you're like, you know, if I pull the plug and get rid of this person, someone else picks them up and suddenly what I was hoping the whole time, right? Mm-hmm, um, right? But yet, you know, you're always someone who's active in trading. You'll look at trades. You'll evaluate trades. Um, and, you know, if you don't like it, we never hear from you. But if you do like it, you'll you'll execute it quick. <laughs> Right. Obviously we have the division set up where if you are in the playoffs last year, you're in the champions or what we call the Griffey division this year. Uh, you're in a, you're right. in a tough spot this year, right? You're, you're at three and five. Um, and I think you, you you had a tough loss this week, right? She had three and yeah. six. We have Jack's wax packs. So Jack's team at six and three. Is this a mm-hmm. point where, I mean, it's designed where it's makes it tougher in the Griffey division to get there do you think that you're getting to the point now where you might say, "Well, maybe Vado is going to get me some value," or whomever? I'm not trying to put anything in your mind, but you look at your team. Are you
5: about is that what no, you're going for?
0: No, I don't. Well, um, hey, maybe,
3: but <laughs> no. Um, uh, I don't know. That's half the, That's half this podcast.
5: <laughs> I've actually really started thinking about that, you know, part this week like I mean is this season done for me? Do I need to just start rebuilding mode and do I need to start trading my big name players just to try to get some young guys for next year? So what are you going to offer me?
0: Uh for Vado? <laughs> well, let me see. I have Encarnacion who sucks right now. So if I yeah, was Yeah, man. Yeah. If I was to take a look at your team, right? So let me let me pull it up. So let me just do a uh, look up the trade. Um yeah. give him Mark Reynolds. Oh, wait, you did. Dude, he's gotten a lot of good points from Mark Reynolds.
3: That Thank was a you. smart move. He he had. Had. yeah. You uh, know, been- Al, we were we we were looking at your team earlier, and and um, while you did run, just run into one of the oddest buzzsaws of the season, Mike's dad scoring fifty-seven points. Um, you know, you you just this was one of those weeks where you just made some bad calls. Your bench lit it up this week. You had eights and sevens and fives at catcher and. It was just a matter of so you know you make a couple of different decisions and all of a sudden we're, we're having a, a somewhat different conversation again you know a, anybody would have uh, would have lost to, to Mike's dad this week God that sounds fucking weird you know but, I, um, I don't
5: beat myself up over those like I, I beat myself up over the couple of points you know when you lose you know if somebody's going to beat me by in this league the way we do it you know whatever twelve points equals that's sixty points that's a sixty point deficit I mean what difference would it have made who I started no no yeah
3: but, no what what I'm yeah. saying is as far as looking, you know, down the line or, or for the rest of the season, again, you're in a, a, a tough division for sure. But like I said, a, you know, a couple of, of moves there, you make a couple of switches there. And all of a sudden you're you know scoring 50 points, just like everyone else this week. And, and at that point, you know, uh, who the hell
0: knows. So LJ, how, how young do you want to go? Do you want like an instant rebuild on your minor league system? Can we really do. It yeah, we're this? really doing it. Cause Let's no, it. I mean, he could tell me, no, no, go pound sand. But if I said Kyle Lewis, a stud prospect for the Mariners, uh, eight,
5: I would not trade Joey Votto for prospects. I can put it that
0: way. Oh,
5: I definitely wouldn't do that. I mean, I might trade Joey Votto for a couple of guys who are, um, you know, young up-and-comers, but I don't think I would trade him for somebody who's just a prospect. Right. Cause, you- cause I don't, but, like, I don't feel like he's, you know, I'd rather keep him for next year and then try to rebuild around, around you know, other around guys. Around Votto. Yeah. But
3: Votto is... Uh, so like, more like, you're, you're thinking more like a, a Brantley or Tom Murphy kind of guy or somebody like, like, a Baez, guys
5: Clearly it would be, a, a you know, a bigger trade because it would be a few guys. But, I mean, I'm not going to trade him for, you know, somebody who's, might be good when he gets
0: into the majors. So, so here, look, look at this. So Joey Votto is thirty three years old, right? Edwin and Canarcion is thirty four years old. He's right. not been doing good, Edwin and, and Canarcion. He's got thirty one total points. Oh,
5: he's having a down. Having a down I mean, season,
0: and Joey Votto has had forty seven points. He's your well, Mark Reynolds is number two. So, um, forty seven points to thirty one right. points, right? So, I I would definitely I would flop those guys and then give you two prospects to make it easier for you or i would even give you three prospects maybe even like a really really freaking good one if you gave me austin hedges in the deal because i need a catcher and i need a steady first baseman you would get basically a guy one year older who could possibly blow up in the summer maybe not but could and has been a stud for the last five years but i need consistency right now i'm Freaking, I'm looking up at Jack's Wax Packs two games now. So I need something I can count on. So you would basically be trading age for age, better for worse, potentially better for better. And then you'd, you'd get some, I, I got to move some prospects, man. <laughs> so I got you know guys like A.J. Reed, who's a young first baseman uh, in the Houston system. I've got uh, Candelario, who's a young third baseman. I've got Isan Diaz, who's tearing it up right now. Uh Jesus Sanchez, Tampa Bay, Lazarito armenteros I mean, you
4: could pick. I wonder if Greg's ears are twitching right now.
3: Joe, so are are you having the sympathy for Tim that I'm having right now? It's a weird feeling. <laughs> like I I i really feel like I, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed for this guy. <laughs> I'm actually
4: trying to soak it in and see how he does it.
0: No, that's I just, you know, it's it's always value for value. Now LJ could tell me, yo, go pound sand. I don't want to do this. Plus, LJ, like, don't feel any pressure that we're, this is on the the podcast because, you know, it's probably more dramatic if you tell me to well, fuck I off. I,
5: I don't. First of all, Jack knows me well enough to know that I would never just, like, jump into a trade anyway Beautiful. until I, like, sit okay. down there and study numbers because I never make quick decisions on anything.
3: It, so no, if, if he makes the I'm decision at all. It.
5: And, I mean, I really don't really ever make a trade unless I feel like it's completely in my favor, you know. All right. So, uh,
0: so basically, I've just submitted a trade to you, and you can go run the numbers. <laughs> so, okay. all right,
3: take your time. Yeah,
0: no, seriously, like, no, seriously, time. take your time. But I, I actually, we're
3: gonna let you go now. No, we're gonna let you go. So no, you go get-
0: <laughs> no, no, he's, you know, again, I, uh, uh, no, I just, it was, it's AJ Reed, Kyle Lewis, Jesus Sanchez, and Jaime Candelario, and Edwin Encarnacion for Vado and Head. So basically, you. You maybe take a step down, Vado and Canarcion. Maybe not. Maybe Vado's outperforming and Edwin's underperforming, and that regression of the mean will actually work in your favor. And I'm just a desperate little bitch who, you know, ends up getting screwed anyway.
5: Look up the prospects, I'll you guys. Who? who who's oh, I will, like, some of these guys I've never heard of before, and I, I do think that Edwin is underperforming.
0: See, so uh-uh. there you go. Well, will
5: I believe he's underperforming this year. Um, I mean, if you look at his history, okay.
0: if you we'll have just, a calculator, the... you could figure that out. That's it. Yeah. So, so Greg thinks that it's because he's back in Ohio, which I think is just ridiculous. And Terry Francona is going to get the best out of him anyway, but I can't wait anymore. Like I can't, I can't keep hoping. And if you're like, look, I, you know, I, I, I've got to get better. So I gave you a, a first base, a minor league first baseman who should be up next year when you do your research, mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis, yeah. is a. when you check him out, you might do it just for Kyle Lewis. Jesus Sanchez. You got to do a little work there, but he's actually a stud. And then Candelario was up earlier for the Cubs. They'll probably move him for some pitching staff uh, help. Um, he's probably going to be top 12 third baseman when he gets up. But when you take a look, I mean, I know you got your sources, so I'm pretty confident in that. Um, so thank you for entertaining, man. This was, this was the first time we've ever been able to talk through a trade on the podcast. We've executed yeah. a few of them. Actually, LJ, you were actually on the podcast early because we did the Cabrian Hayes trade. You accepted it while we were on the podcast. So oh, you actually okay. had a, oh, yeah. you had like a ghost appearance. Oh, um, do you remember when we, so uh, when we really first started playing, uh, I think you guys were playing even before I got in, but when Jack invited me into league, a lot of us worked at the phone room um do you remember yeah. those days we had to do the scores but i
5: mean i remember those days but we're going back years ago i don't even remember if you were in the league before my, i really honestly don't remember i mean we're talking i hate to put it you know eight us <laughs> here, but uh definitely over 20 years ago
0: yeah it was uh, um yeah 23 yeah. years right jack is that what we figured
3: Yeah, Quite a long yeah time i think ago. so yeah, it's been quite a while. No, yeah, the early
0: 90s. It's well known that, that the, uh, the four guys on this podcast, were all, you know, middle-aged old guys. You, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, whatever the secret is there, whatever. I don't know if you're like uh, freaking drinking blood or what. But uh, the rest of us, it's, it's very well known. We're just uh, older guys. In fact, that's part of our bitching. The LJ
3: is uh, one month older than I am. It obviously does not show. <laughs> I'm
4: sorry. I thought Jeff. you were going to say embarrassingly enough you re- you knew that he drank blood from small children I don't or something.
3: Know, that's there's some there's some things that that me and LJ have sworn to take to our grave.
0: Uh LJ is one of I don't know that I've ever seen LJ in a bad mood. He's just really fun person to be around. So I'm really happy that that we had this chance to uh to become friends and I think that's one of the best things about the league. Is as you've moved all over the place, and all of us have moved all over the place, we've been able to kind of stay connected, however loosely, to this really goofy thing. You know, sometimes for me, I could give a shit about, well, that's not true. I do care about what the team does, but I do know that the benefit, regardless of the win loss, is actually that we're together.
5: Now, it's, I mean, we could, you know, you could play fantasy baseball on any site with a bunch of strangers you know we've stuck with this for as many years i think partly because it does um it does keep us in touch with each other you know
2: it really does i mean we're
5: across the, half of us live across the country from it's much more fun to take your friend's money than it is a stranger <laughs> this is true <real.
2: laughs>
3: this is true. <real. laughs>
0: no yeah i, I yeah you know, honestly we think about it we were just kids i mean well you guys were literally like little kids when you met but we were just i mean we had no idea what was in store for us You know, when we first started doing this this foolish little game,
5: free internet, I think. Well, the internet existed, but we couldn't have, you know, I mean, we had to actually calculate our scores in the paper. We Find out if we won until like Tuesday or
3: Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about that the other day how Chris Chris used to have to do the scores and then the uh, West Coast games wouldn't be in the paper yet. So we'd have to try to find the West Coast score. The
5: commissioner really earned his money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) Damn
0: right. Damn right. If you think about how much the internet has kind of made it easier for us to do the the fantasy baseball, have you ever thought about over the next 10 years what it's going to be like?
5: Technology always changes people's lives all the time. I I really can't even envision because fantasy sports has gotten to be so completely mainstream that, you know, there's going to be even more stats for more different things that you don't even really think of, like how many times somebody scratches their balls or spits or I don't know. There probably be like even more stats.
3: Launch angle anyone.
0: I I like the scratching your ball and spitting. Like that's the you know, scratching your balls and spitting that would be something that'd be pretty interesting.
4: Perhaps you'll have input on the launch angle of the spit.
0: So L J, you're you're a pretty accomplished musician as well. Are you still actively playing?
5: Um, well, I quit the band that I was in because I, you know, it was too, it was just too 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 much stress with with my job, and you know, we were playing forty plus weekends a year. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> However, so I'm not really connected with any band, but every once in a while I'll fill in for them when they need someone to fill in. So I'm not really, but I am working on another smaller scale projects. Um, just a, kind of a two-man thing,
2: well, I've seen-
5: all acoustics. So.
0: Really? Because you've done I, – I know yeah. you, you've shared with me a lot of your electronic music that you did solo, essentially – is there any way yeah. we can find that that we can get that? I mean, I've I've just really heard the oh, electronic stuff.
5: Right now it's just we're we're just sort of we're we're in like what I call the tool shed mode, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, we're we're working things out. We haven't really booked a gig yet, but you know, in another couple of months, I feel like we're ready enough and we're not putting any pressure on, on ourselves, then we'll um, you know, then we'll go out and do stuff. But, you know, maybe maybe before the end of the year, I think we'll probably be, you know, back out there again.
0: Do you get stage fright?
5: Um, I don't like talking that much to the audience every once in a while I do, but I don't really get sometimes I get butterflies when I first go up there. But once I start, I'm usually pretty good. You know, musically I'm usually pretty good. I just, I kind of run out of things to say in between songs. Mm-hmm. Like when there's this long pause, you know, like I'm not really good at telling jokes and stuff. So I just like introduce the next song. I might, you know, like if I see somebody in the audience, have a little rapport with them. But
0: did you study that in school? Or were you classically trained? I mean, this was something I didn't know about you till, later and i we'd spent a lot of time together early on there
5: no no i was never really classically trained i just sort of picked it up and learned things from other people would show me stuff and then i would kind of build on that and you know so i i had some mentors and but pretty much i would just buy books or listen to songs and i would just learn it on my own i don't think i've ever really had a a actual like paid class
3: yeah, Els taught himself a lot of stuff. He um he's quite the uh, artist as well. So and again, yes. he's um essentially he's just uh, once he gets into something, he sets his mind to it and he'll lock himself in a room for literally days sometimes <laughs> and, and come yeah. out with uh, with some sort of new project. It's uh. Uh, L is also the uh, the uh, the greatest roommate that uh, that one could ever hope for. Um we uh, we spent a lot of time together over the years and a great guy, phenomenal human being and uh, <clears throat> honestly as a roommate like a ghost literally it uh, it was it was wonderful. <laughs> it was- do you have any questions for us? Anything that you'd
5: like to ask? No, I just, um I think that it's been a lot of fun being in the league. You know, of course, having you guys as friends has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, you guys are very genuine people. Um, And I got to see Jack, especially because I've known him since he was three. I mean, since we were in the third grade, so since he was seven. When you know somebody for that long, you see each other go through a lot of you know, a lot of changes in their life. Yeah. I think that Jack is kind of more so than most people. He's he's really sort of like the success story that, you never. he was definitely probably voted most likely to get shot or <laughs> be put in jail when we were younger. And then, you know, he really turned things around somehow and became like the pillar of his family and the community and president of the PTA and, you know, succeeds at whatever he puts his mind to and super smart. You know, and you, we always love things. But I had no idea you were going to like just take over the world the way that you have. So
0: I, I feel like this yeah. is some of your vampire I, power. Like I, Jack and I are starting to float towards you on camera here. Right. Like this might be his way, right? So, like, <laughs> right there, here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah.
5: <laughs> no. Butter you up so we can make this pretty better for me.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's well done. It's really there. interesting. Like when you think about those of us that were on the porch, that were in the old, you know, the league originally, right? Just, yeah, you know, where we were and maybe, you know, the barriers in our way, how every one of us in one way or another was able to break through that. I, I never really thought about it until this very moment, LJ, when you said that. And just kind of transporting myself back to those moments on Mikey's girlfriend's porch. And we were just bullshitting and doing whatever we were doing at the time and just, you know, where we are today. That's like, wow. That's, 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 I feel really good right now, man. Thank you. That was,
3: that's yeah. I, I, no bullshit. Like yeah. I really, that's a, that's seriously. Yeah. At that, yeah. At that point, the, uh, the, the probability of success as a group was, uh, probably uh uh um underrated at that point <laughs> yeah, I, yeah underrated to say right? the i don't even think it was it's just, it's, it's, it's
0: if you had 10 bucks at that time and you were looking at us as a group but yeah i don't know if someone would bet on although our wiffle ball skills were freaking mad good that was the, yes mad good wiffle yes. ball
5: skills. we could definitely play some wiffle ball i mean like if wiffle ball was like a, a real sport i think that we probably would be some high paid you know we would have our own agents and
3: <laughs> yeah. what, one of the when one of us uh, becomes a millionaire, hits that lottery, we uh, I, I, we need to put together a uh, a wiffle ball league. We'll uh, we'll travel. I
0: thank God, there's no evidence of our time back then other than our memories, right? You know that. The, uh,
5: other than this, right now on this podcast, exactly,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly.
5: <laughs>
4: what I would add to it is just listening to the three of you. You know, Tim, you made the comment that you wouldn't have bet on the group getting out of there. And I, I would say that, that having that group of friends at that age, maybe helped, maybe you all helped pull each other out of it. Very, very possible. But a matter of
3: fact, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I could point some to some of us did more pulling than others.
4: But... <laughs> We're not talking yeah. about your personal life. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no, I, yeah, I, 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 I absolutely think that there are critical moments in my life. I know that, that there are several people, you know from back then that really helped me out yeah that's it's awesome wow i'm so happy that you came on lj i'm so happy that you're a part of this and um i i agree with jack you are you are generally one of the greatest people i know
5: i definitely miss you guys i miss you guys
0: thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this and um uh, just for being a great friend
5: absolutely thank you guys you're good al all right
0: thanks
3: bye lj Bye. bye To hear that
1: west wind pushing to the east There ain't nobody that can sing like me ain't nobody that
0: can sing like me Oh, my little you will you let me see Way over yonder where the wind blows free Okay, welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with LJ. I know I certainly did. And it was a lot of fun. Now, uh, something happened this week. Pujols hit his 600th home run. And I don't care if he's 38, 48, or 58. um, It is certainly an honor to see this guy play in the major leagues. And what he's done, even as his body has started to break down, has been so impressive. I mean, he's ninth all time for home runs. Uh, you know, is that, do you think this guy is as good as his public image? Do you think that maybe he was on PEDs or is this just really one of the good guys and good things happen?
4: You know, I, uh, I've gone back and forth with that. You know, part of it is, uh, I'm not so sure about the 37. Um, yeah, there's a couple times. I, I believe he, he had a broken bone in a, in an arm one year and he was back playing in two and a half weeks. Uh, that doesn't sound like it's not performance. <laughs> <dancing> <laughs> drugs. It's freakish what he's done. He's, he's uh, what the third or fourth youngest player to reach 600 home runs. Uh, a rod of course did it when he was 35 and some odd days. And uh, Ruth and uh, was it mantle? Both did it quicker than he did, uh, but he did it quicker than Aaron. And, and I enjoy using him to beat you, Tim. That makes me very happy.
0: So there was uh, there's some history here. So we were, uh, this was back in 2010, I believe. And it was the first game of the season. We come into the game, and I'm pretty confident I'm going to win. Joe's pretty confident I'm going to win. And Pujols hits. It was a three-homer night, at least a two-homer. I think it was a three-homer night. I think it was, too. He just crushed me. I missed the playoffs that year as one of the top-scoring teams by one game. So the first game of the year that I lost that I should have won were it not for Albert fucking Pujols, <laughs> I lost, didn't make in the playoffs. Now, Joe's a gentleman about it, but we did. he did bring it up the other day just to remind me that uh, Pujols is still around. And still- well, I,
4: I don't know if you remember this, but I had actually gone to bed thinking I lost because that was a West Coast game. And I had to go back and look and and did not realize I had won that game because of his late home runs.
0: It was a Christmas game, just like Jack's last week. They're wonderful. But, you know, why aren't people talking about PEDs with this guy? His head is the size of freaking Montana. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many people come from the Caribbean that look as thick and as giant as this guy. So maybe what Greg was talking about a couple of weeks ago about his relationship to the press does make a difference.
4: You look at him and I agree with you. He, he looks like the after Bonds as opposed to the before Bonds. And, and I, I don't know. He, he certainly hasn't been accused or caught that I'm aware of.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm certainly happy that you're honorable enough that when he is found out that you will give back all of your wins. And therefore... Hey,
4: hey, hell no.
0: <laughs> but, you know, so now um, the latest thing is really not uh, PEDs as much in baseball, but the concern that the, the ball is juiced. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Major League Baseball uh, conducted a study involved the University of Massachusetts Lowell Physics Department. Uh, it, after the All-Star Game in 2015, Major League Baseball actually changed baseballs, the the physical baseball, and the number of home runs gross and the home runs per at-bat started, uh, there was a big spike, and, it, and th- that spike has continued to grow. Now, there's a lot of talk about launch angle, there's a lot of talk, continuing talk about PEDs. But what they're saying is that change in baseball takes time. It's just, it's just the way change does. So when you talk about defensive shifts, you talk about launch angle, you talk about PEDs, these all take time, obviously in a shorter window than maybe other changes in baseball that take longer, maybe sometimes decades. But what they're saying is that the, the spike was so significant after the all-star break and it has continued that the balls themselves
4: are juiced. I haven't heard any data. I, I actually do kind of remember vaguely about uh, they were changing something with the ball, but I haven't heard any data about it. So this is new to me. It kind of makes sense what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I, I usually pretty careful about assuming something about anybody. You know, I, I can remember an earlier podcast where everybody was just convinced that eric thames was doing peds and you know i I remember a text of steve garvey's forearm and a couple of things like that right well then he quit hitting home runs and it went away so you you gotta you sort of have to be a little careful with that but it wouldn't surprise me i mean baseball was arguably at its most popular when everybody was hitting home run chicks dig the long ball that that idea and then that went away as soon as people quit Doing the drugs that, that got them that big.
3: I um, I, you know, is it possible? Of course, anything's possible. Um, the, you know, I um, am quite the um, the conspiracy buff. So, I uh, I allow for all kinds of possibilities. H- however, it it uh, I feel as if it has more to do with the the you know the stuff we've been talking about the conditioning. Um, at a younger age, these guys are just uh, you know bigger they're better they're faster they're are there performance enhancing drugs yes you know are they out there yes are people using them yes um but there there's a lot of uh kids and and folks that are coming up and 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 aren't they're they're just learning how to work out better and and um and treat their body better and and so on and so forth and and the balls are are, you know reaching them faster and you Mm -hmm. know the pitchers are stronger i mean there's a, a a lot of different stuff yeah. In a uh, meeting last July, I guess uh, the commissioner told, um, uh, a group of baseball writers that they have done extensive testing and there have been no changes. They, uh, I read about it on the, uh, the rigger actually.com mm-hmm. and the gentleman had asked him, uh, for the report, I guess, and eventually got it and says that the report uh, apparently backs up his statement. So, you know, it, it would make sense if I was in the marketing department, I'd, probably suggest it you know it's um uh, we were talking about last week um you know with xander some about the um about you know baseball and and now in this new you know speed and and faster and and quicker and shorter attention span age definitely is uh you know i think you even talked about a few weeks you know we back in the the beginning of fantasy it, it was you know that that going going gone everybody mm-hmm. wanted to see the long ball it's about home runs right it's, uh it's the uh the the pops theory oh well,
4: i if if they are doing something to the baseball to change it, that that disturbs me because one of the beautiful things about this game is that you can take numbers from a guy today, and ostensibly you can look at a guy from the you know the nineteen. 19- 20s and say, okay, this guy had this and this guy had this and compare their statistics and and sort of have a a comparison of errors. Now, we we're smart enough to know that guys are training harder. They they have access to technology that those guys didn't have. So it's ridiculous to think that a modern baseball team wouldn't beat the snot out of the 1927 Yankees, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, it's that's just romanticized stuff. But when you start changing the equipment in ways, like like golf is a great example. Golf balls today are nothing like they were, and club technology is nothing like it was. So you can't truly compare what those guys are doing. Whereas, you're still using an ash bat, or or, you know, whatever type of wood you prefer, a maple bat. Are are those even still legal? A maple bat in the big leagues, but but you, you get what I'm saying. You, you the ball and the bat should not be changing.
0: So, Jack, you mentioned the uh, the Phillies. I, do, you, do you pay attention at all to the Philly fanatic? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the mascot. The,
3: yeah. Is the the thing that's his face in all of Skype? sports.
0: Well, first of all, I have no fucking idea what it is. I mean, well, it's I bet, a yeah. fanatic. But, yeah. Okay. So you're not supposed to, right? There's no, no connection right. to what it is. Um no one of the things that i learned so you know obviously mr met right did you guys hear the story about mr met this year okay yeah what he did i actually watched the video of it and it was you know at first i was like he's got fucking four fingers like what is a middle finger on a four finger hand right um but when i saw the video of what he did walking down the hallway and to go underneath the stadium is he not only flipped the bird but he took his other hand and put it in the elbow space and really gave the bird so there was no question that this four-fingered mascot who is you know kind of one of the more lovable kind of aw mascots it just looked devilish right so i started to wonder like mascots i never really paid attention to them mas- they were there i understood they were there but i never really cared about Wally. You know, for the Red Sox, like it didn't matter to me. He, I didn't look where he was, so I got to, to to thinking, what you know, where did this come from? Where are these do you guys ever wonder where a mascot came from, like, and, and how mascots even appeared? No, I think it was
4: yeah. an, it, well the the one I remember, the earliest one I remember was the KGB chicken in San Diego.
0: The actually none of them. The the first oh, mascots uh, appeared at the turn of the century. So we're talking about the early 1900s. So mascot is actually converted from the French word mascotte or mascot. It's, it's a good luck talisman is, is what the French word is, M-A-S-C-O-T-T-E. Um, they since dropped off the E and then dropped off the second T. But originally, uh, one was a dog, uh, one was a uh, a child, and one was a hunchback. Uh, back in the day and the players would rub the hunchback of the guy uh, for good luck and then unfortunately the mascot passed away and the team went into a tailspin Uh, but most mascots came into being in the 70s and I just I was like god damn what a great fucking decade and people don't really appreciate it uh, for (laughs) what it is that these these mascots came about and are really designed to engage the, the kids, right, to be a kind of friendly PR connection to uh, the team. Uh, but it was, it was kind of interesting to hear uh, the uh, former Mr. Met interviewed, and he was talking about the Philly Fanatic, and he said that the Philly Fanatic, that the Philadelphia Phillies do it right. There's only been two people who've worn the Philly Fanatic costume since 1974. And that he points to, I kid you not, he points to the consistency of the Philly fanatic character. These other teams that have multiple people, probably interns wearing the suits, miss a huge opportunity to to add to the sport. And I thought, wow, a good luck talisman that could also work as a PR uh, piece and the need for that to have some type of continuity as a character it was just a fascinating little piece of baseball history that uh I had never known about until mr met put up his his middle <laughs> finger <laughs> and flipped a fan it's, off
3: it's um yeah the um well it, again the fanatic is is uh heralded and uh obviously i'm i'm uh, biased but uh is is often considered the greatest mascot in sports that you're right that has a lot to do with it um consistency matters and just <clears throat> You know, throwing a guy in a, a, a suit, or a different guy in a suit here and there along the way. Again, you know, as we've talked about, I've, I've been involved in sports, so I've actually uh, been in charge of a mascot. I've had a mascot work for me. Right. You know, when I first took over the team, I actually, <laughs> my, my third day as general manager, I got a phone call. We had a uh, parade, and uh, we had the van out there. I had the mascot suit. I was just waiting for the mascot to show up. We're going to put him in the suit. He drives around a little uh, ATV. We drive the van down. The dancers, you know, go down the street with their pom poms. It's great. Three days into the job, I get a phone call and uh, it tells me he can't show up. Um, he uh, he quits and uh, and uh, he's not coming back. So uh, that was just a, as I said, a few hours before the parade. Um, so <laughs> my first uh, mascot as the general manager became my uh, my son. I put my son in the suit and said, "Boy, get over here." And I put him him in the suit. I made him sit in the back of the van and wave as we went down the street. And uh, the head was so heavy that it started bobbing forward regularly. I had to walk over (laughs) and push it up from the forehead. Uh, Poor kid. But uh, so uh, ever since then, I have had the same mascot, and it does make a difference that the folks get used to the. um, You know, there's a uh, a language. It's um, they and and by the way, they take this very seriously um a, a lot who do the, the people that actually
0: get in the costume and they oh they yeah. get into character oh, yeah. so this is what oh, this my. guy was
3: talking about right that uh, they uh they don't play around they they're, they're it's it's like i said to a weird um uh, this, this particular gentleman is the most normal uh mascot that i've <laughs> ever met and uh but that's uh, they're all a little fucked up yeah <laughs> You
4: know that's funny because it, it's. Uh, I, I think as a as a Red Sox fan, we have absolutely the worst mascot ever for any sport. Even, I couldn't even tell I you the. I I've seen the wall. Fucking, I'm 8, offended times. by
3: that. Who is your fucking mascot? Wally. What's I'm he I'm Offended like? by Wally.
0: He looks like a, an overweight Muppet.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, probably I, terrifies I, I children. Couldn't fucking pick. I I couldn't. I can't envision your the Boston's mascot I mean, uh you know, maybe that's a well, testament to how good the team is. I don't know. Uh you know, the Phillies everybody knows him because you know, I used to uh get be a ba- be a ba- be a back uh in uh, in my days with sports. Uh we had some pretty bad seasons and uh, there was a running joke we uh, uh had some frisbee dogs, you know, for halftime for about 6 or 7 weeks we had a, a losing streak and uh, the joke around the office is, hey, hey, focus on the Frisbee dogs, focus on the Frisbee <laughs> dogs. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of any um, sports promotions. I, I, Being in sports, making a living, I think they all fucking suck. Anything that's done on a field that isn't the sport itself, nine times out of ten fucking sucks. And
4: Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because I actually, one of the great sports mascots for me it was the orlando predators arena football team mascot and i happened to run into the guy at Seven Eleven one night
3: a after predator, a game
4: right. and he was he was just you know he saw i had my predators hat on and probably a t-shirt or something and he said oh did you go to the game and he was talking about the game he was a fan he wasn't of the, still of the in,
0: in costume was he
4: absolutely not oh, okay no, so no. you didn't know and, you were and, talking to and at this As moment. I'm walking out to the truck, I I see the gear in the in the back of his his, uh, his uh, SUV or whatever it was, and I said, "You're not the guy that does the the mat. You're not the mascot, are you?" He's like, "Well, yeah, actually, I am." Yeah, guy, <laughs> yeah.
3: he's a uh, he's a guy. Allen. Is uh, is yep, his name. that was his name? Yeah. He yep. Um, he would be an interesting guy to to get on because he um, not only has has been a mascot for you know twenty some years, whatever it has been uh, um, but he he actually created he's pretty pretty damn smart he created that mascot and then um actually owned it he would not uh allow the the team to to own it um so um he was so popular that the team couldn't go away from him uh and nice. he ended up benefiting more than most mascots would because he actually owned the rights uh to the that the mascot it was Uh, It was pretty brilliant. It was so in addition to that, he um, actually made the suit and he actually creates um, mascots for um, other teams and all over the country. He had a lot to do with uh, nitro at UCF there. Um, Yeah. He's a pretty interesting dude, but um, older guy used to joke and the, you know, they do the mascot games down there in Orlando and uh, get, you know, stuff uh, from the magic and um, you know, uh, uh, Jackson would even come down from uh, uh, Jacksonville and, uh, nitro, get all the, the, the local, um, mascots together and they play games and such, and, you know, basketball and, and, uh, Alan was a little older, um, out of the group of, uh, of mascots. So I used to joke with them all the time about, uh, the, uh, the age difference <laughs> and, uh, how much, uh, Ben gay he needed after knee afterwards. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a great guy.
4: Like I said a really good guy. Ultimately. Well you know it's funny that you mentioned those too, because I, I, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about this, is, it seems like the ones that seem to be good are the ones that somebody the, the the earlier ones and something that somebody actually thought about before they did it because I know for a fact that a lot of the things that Jackson Deville does were stolen directly from the Kansas City Chiefs organization. Um, because i we we'd gone to games early on in Jacksonville's Jacksonville's tenure and we're going, well, wait a minute, we saw that like three years ago in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing the same thing. Now there's only so much they can do with a giant forty pound head, but yeah, yeah.
3: you know Yeah, the, and there's no honor in sports. Yeah, with <laughs> <we're>, there's <laughs> and, plenty of stealing
4: going on. And Steph is on par with Wally. It's it's just a lame, lame mascot. <laughs> I, I'd have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> I would be
0: fascinated to talk to someone who really understands, gets into character, and to your point, that it's a it's a physical communication. They can't talk, right? So they have mm-hmm. to they have to do this physically. I'm sorry to
3: interrupt. I've, I've literally interviewed, you know, four mascots. So so part of the interview, uh, put the suit on, and uh, and then we'll be in the office in there, and then come in there, you know, in the suit, and and their first interaction with us in, in the interview process is show me happy you know show me excited I don't care what kind of human being you are to be quite honest with you I don't care how articulate you are because you're not going to talk I want to see you in the suit and moving and doing the things that you need to do so that's the the actual interview process was get in the suit and show me these different emotions and it's not the easiest thing to do man it, uh, it is uh it's very difficult to to communicate without being able to speak in that fashion or, or be seen, you know, again, to, to not talk is one thing, but there's no facial expression. There's literally just, just the body language that you're able to to create through the suit. It's uh, it's quite an art.
4: Do you have those things dry cleaned before you give them to the next person?
3: Cause I kissed, I, I just imagine this stench. It was, yeah, it was one of the, um, it was one of the lesser, excitable jobs that the interns <laughs> have. <laughs>
4: I'm
3: I'm guessing you you lose some weight
4: during a game if you're running around the end zone in one of those things. He would go he would go through a cooler
3: filled with water and Powerade and um and honestly at times would uh, would end up with an IV um throughout the game. Jeez. Oh, Do you find that adults like the mascot too? Or was it just the kids? Drunk women love mascots. <laughs> Drunk <laughs> that the um the combination of drunk women and cell phones and mascots will take up quite a bit of time.
0: Well, gentlemen, uh, as always, it's been so much fun spending some time with you. I really enjoyed the breakdown of the games. Congratulations uh, to both of you on great wins, important wins this week. And, you. Uh, you know, the That's tournament's nice. getting closer. Yes, you're both dicks. Um And... <laughs> Uh, you know, I really enjoyed uh, LJ coming, and I've learned more about mascots this week and in this call than I think I ever would. And I want to talk to—I want to talk to someone that has put on the suit. But uh thanks again. I, I look forward to this time every week. I love you guys, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.
3: Take care. Just
4: want to say hey to Greg. We're thinking
0: of you, brother. Dude, we are. Yeah, man, man. our sure. thoughts are with you, brother. Have a good one. Much we'll, love. Yep. Look back to
2: seeing you next week. All right, brothers. Bye. Night. We're
0: dedicating tonight's podcast to Norma Grace Crow. You'll be missed, Norma. In your honor, I'd like to read All Is Well by Henry Scott Holland. Death is nothing at all, it does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I. And you are you. And the old life that we lived so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by the old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you always used. Put no difference into your tone. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. What is this death but a negligible accident? Why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you, for an interval, somewhere very near, just round the corner. All is well
1: in a far and distant. A fair-haired boy who wandered far from home Take this message to my mother When my work on earth is through Tell her that her boy will meet her In the land beyond the blue In his hand he held a picture Of the old home far away In the other twas a mother rolling gray While in accents low, he whispered, she will know that I was true. Tell her that her boy will meet her in the land beyond the blue. Tell my mother. Ah, the shadow, he will lead me safely through. Tell her that her boy will meet her in the land beyond the blue. To the old home came a message, twas to mother from her boy. Alas for her, the message came too late. For that day the angels called her to the fateful land. Tonight she dwells with Willie in the land beyond the blue.